Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. You just started up just now? Yes, I started the microphone because everyone in this family has decided right as we turn on the microphones to be as loud as they can while they're eating. It's a little... Lucy the dog is over here chomping on some kibble. You are wrapping up a... a beet chip. uh, It's my last one. A beet chip because you're so cool, which Mm -hmm. kind of uh, can get me right into this then because you're eating a beet chip. Let's hear it. Uh, beet chips, that's a pretty trendy item, right? Maybe not this year, maybe within the last 10 years that sure. vegetable chips have become okay. sort of a thing. I'll go with that. Um, how, trend, how, how important is, is, is trendy food to you? And do you care about whether something, something is post-trend? I'll set mm. it up. You want me to can set it up more, uh, mm. more efficiently? Okay. I Love have no problem bowls. with acai bowls, <laughs> although... In fairness, there's still people in the middle yeah, of the country that trending. have no yeah. idea what the gotcha. acai bowl is. Gotcha. Um, I love kale. Mm-hmm. I love avocado toast. toast. Yeah. I have no problem with uh, crispy Brussels sprouts with uh, uh, fish sauce. Um, what else? I like pumpkin spice latte. Oh, you do not. It. You lie. I crave it. You like I, peppermint I, mocha. You're okay. a peppermint, peppermint mocha, mocha guy. <laughs> pumpkin spice latte, same sort of thing. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying Seasonal is drinks. I'm basic AF. Yeah. Is it okay when these things are past trend to like them? Um, I think it's okay. I mean, I think it depends. You know, I think if you're walking around with a unicorn drink in your hand every couple days, it's a little little old, a little tired. But I mean, avocado toast is delicious. Although I will say, I don't really order it out. I think I'm over that part. I'm overpaying, you know, $16 mm. for avocado toast. Yeah. That, that's a, California pricing. Yeah. Well, there's a pretty famous, it's, it's on a menu of a hotel I stay at somewhat regularly. And I have, I have, um, um, I have ordered it once or twice. Like when someone else makes avocado toast and just puts some sesame seeds on it. Right. And drizzles like onions. a drip of like uh, chili honey on something. Um, I'm not going to spend $19. Right. Yeah. Hotel. I think I'm over. I, so I would say like, it's cool if you still like kale. Like kale's delicious. Um, but. I don't know. She's just uh, eating. No, it's I don't fine. think anyone this can is hear what it. You do usually. Can I'm you guys the hear? Role can you guys hear uh, Lucy's chain clanking into her di- dinner bowl? But I think it's hilarious that our dog, who eats like once every thing, one and a half days, like, she's really affected by the time change because it's only four p.m. our time, and she's eating dinner. <laughs> daylight savings has really See, thrown our dog off. She's really off. Which she's not the one who should be thrown off. In no. all fairness, I should be totally thrown off. You, I, well, I, I think you're not never in any time zone, so I think I that's. Say, yeah, I that think that's I'm why. Perpetually in like a um, like a Midwest sort of central time zone. Yeah, you kind of stay in the middle. He floats so that you could just like fluctuate one hour. <laughs> <laughs> now she's drinking water. We got to restart great. this open No, you now. don't have to restart it. People get it. Listen, this is part of our life. This is podcasting. Uh, it's like, oh, wait. This, this is, is only podcasting for, I listen to other podcasts. This doesn't happen. No, it does happen. <laughs> it does just not happen. The podcast that it happens on. It's not the no ones you want to be on. Yeah, yeah okay. so that, that's all. It. it does happen everywhere. That's unfortunate. But I, it's, it is said that she only eats and drinks seemingly when we do podcasts. By the way, this podcast is a couple days late. So like well, Lucy's probably yeah. really hungry. And like uh, hit us up, a uh, dog food sponsor, like yes. dog food commercial. Like yeah. Lucy's ready to do it for Maybe you. that's what it is. Lucy's yeah. like, let me start running She's the business to, side of yeah, this. Get us some ads. Um, back to the time zones. But yeah, I am for the first time in a while. This is just a confession. Why not? 
Uh, we have nothing else to talk about. But um, <laughs> like, I'm tired. Like, I had a show two nights ago in Naples, Florida. Yeah. Uh, where I got to hang out with Phil Mickelson, and I, I'm thirsty. I put that up on the Instagram page, but then had a show the next day in Santa Rosa, California. Yeah, that was a tight turnaround. And like, I so I think I was. I didn't in even the- know. If you could make it, because Naples is such a weird, like, it's not really near a major airport. Like, I didn't know if you could make it to Santa Rosa, which is also not right near a major airport. That's like two, Mm -hmm. like, connection, you know, big time connections. I didn't know if you could make it in time, to be honest. Well, you know, when you, and we've we've learned this less, but if you're going east to west, you you save that three hours of of, time, time, right? Which really, really works. Um, But yeah, it's been a pretty grueling um, schedule going from... um, you know, the Phil Mickelson, hanging out with Phil Mickelson yeah, all poor, the way to Guy Fieri's poor, uh, poor house guy. in Santa Rosa, yeah. which everyone was is like, is Guy coming? Is that where your dinner was? Yeah. My, my, oh, who knew? I didn't know that. It was in Santa Rosa. I, well, it was at his house? No, no it was not. Joking. I mean, oh, it's okay. his town. I mean, got it. Flavor Town, USA. The proverbial literal Flavor Town, USA. Um, I, don't think everyone, a, I don't think everyone knows that Santa Rosa is Flavor Town, USA. No, that not even people who live there, seemingly right. after my show. Yeah. But uh, everyone, I, I was surprised. How much, even in his home uh, place, how much how people just love Guy. That's good. Which was good. I was expecting to be like, oh, I wonder if people are like, since they might see him around. or You know, like sometimes your home, uh, the home fans can sometimes uh, be Turn rougher. on you. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you, were, you get super, yeah. super popular and famous. Yeah. You were um, saying there's even some people in New Orleans that don't like Emerald, which ooh, ooh, I find like ooh. ridiculous. First of all, perfect segue. This episode from New Orleans, Nina Compton, fan favorite from Top Chef. But yes, it is true. That there are people in New Orleans who throw shade at Emerald. That's I think there's insane. a lot of other things that go into it. Maybe. And I, I think mostly it, it happened to be from like, I think what, Emerald's a guy from like the Boston area right. who came down to New Orleans. Uh-huh. And I just think that's kind of the general setup. I know there are some other like more specific it's funny because he sounds like he could be from New Orleans. Well, I think also you spend enough time somewhere. <laughs> right, you right? pick up a little accent. And, and it doesn't matter like if you have a, a, a love and a joy of a certain food. That's I go true. through this, this is happening with me right now. A year ago and Gigi's at the table, Sally, who does make... Doesn't talk usually on the podcast, but is... is At least is, she doesn't eat from her dinner bowl like Lucy does. This is true. <laughs> Although, it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> <laughs> if the timing just worked out. Yeah. But this time last year, we were in uh, Roma. Mm-hmm. Remember That's when right. I started to like speak with an Italian well, accent? Only on when back? you got home. Yeah, exactly. like literally in the customs line. You're that guy. But I, it, it hit me, especially coming off our most recent whole life challenge where like we are eating maybe a little bit more carbs and or flour how much i love pasta and how much like that's a place like i could just literally go spend you know 90 days 60 days in rome and come back and just like want to do a a restaurant devoted just to pasta because i love it and it's fascinating to me and much like tacos and other foods like there's so many iterations of it and classic versions of it that's kind of amazing yeah um but yeah back to uh nina compton or no wait you're gonna say something it was kind of I a thought you were, I thought you were tying that story into something, but it never oh, it never got there. I so was tying it back into how it's okay. Oh, to not writing. be a part of. Okay, so like gotcha. I'm not Italian. I have no right. Genetic. But you want to open an Italian restaurant right. because you're a fan. Because I you love like it. it. Yeah. And as long as you dig in that way, I got you. That's fine. Like chefs can cook food from anywhere, and you can love whatever you love. Yeah. But I think um, that sometimes, from from uh, a critic's perspective, can be a problem. Right? Sure. Like, what does this person know about this food? They're not from here or, you know. Yeah. Well, speaking of from the heart, uh, the holidays are coming up. Yes, they are. Can I say this? Someone said this to me at my show yesterday. What did they say? I've never said this phrase out loud. Okay. But I said something pretty funny. Okay. And someone out in the, in the audience yesterday was like, yes, queen. <laughs> no, they didn't. Yes, they did. To you? To me. It's amazing. And I was like, 
Great. It was yeah. basically when I said I, I was the line I was talking about avocado yeah. toast. I was uh, like, I yes. love these that on makes basic sense. AF. Yeah. And they were like, yeah. yes, queen. Gotcha. And I've never said it out loud, but when they said it to me, I felt like, wow, that's a fun thing to say. Yeah, it is It's fun. positive, right? It is. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. It's very fun. Very yeah, good. I, I very felt like Beyonce. Good times. Good times to say I, it. Like at the moment, I felt like Beyonce. It made me feel good. Speaking of, of holidays. Speaking yes. of, well, yeah. The holidays. Hard, hard. Um, what are we gonna do with all these pumpkins we have around the house? Oh. Did you happen to see the side yard today? There's a pumpkin out. There. Okay. Okay. Yes. I just. This, okay. this is just. This like, is where this now is going. This is literally just like we're I off the rails. Been home in a while. We're just catching up. And there's a smashed pumpkin on the side of the house. So I was driving out of our house today, and one of the pumpkins that was on like one of the gates of our of our gate, the or pylon of our gate, was like literally rotting into mm-hmm. like a puddle. You know, so it was all soft I on the bottom. I understand what happens. Filled with bugs. And it's raining today, which it never rains. And I'm like, it's just going to get worse. Right. So I grabbed it. And then instead of taking it to the garbage can, I chucked it as hard as I could into the hill on the side of our Yes. Yes. Which is... Because I kind of think like, do you think pumpkins will grow? That's kind of where I'm going with this. First of all, this is the most Florida thing you've ever done in your life, probably. Right? Possibly. No, uh, no, no. Definitely no? not. <laughs> not in your it's life. It's the most thing I've ever done this here. Week. Yeah, like uh, in the house, I week. guess. I'm yeah. going to have to go clean it up, by the way. You think? Yeah. Animals? Gonna, no, just even though, it's a, it, even though it's a wild space, just neighbors and stuff, I'm going to go clean I'm it up. I'm trying to grow a pumpkin patch. I understand. That's going to be a I'm tough trying one. to recycle the we pumpkins. Have, we have a challenging neighbor already, and if I get out there and have to like, uh, Maybe my, just my pick wife's up, trying to grow a pumpkin pick patch. Up, don't pick up the seeds. Just pick okay, up the I'll big chunks. I'll leave the seeds, but I'm going to go pick that up. But it was really uh, cathartic throwing that pumpkin. I bet. Um, I didn't know way, it would explode not, like it did. It's not the story I was expecting. I am sure it's not. Yeah. Um, the, the holidays yeah. from the heart story. Yes, no, this is not it. But it, uh, uh, what do you do with all the pumpkins? We have pumpkins all over the house still. Well, and all, it's almost Thanksgiving. This and is so, a problem. You know. But I've done this before. First of all, why? Uh, the, These are edible. One, that one excluded. That one can't eat. It well, was rotten. I mean, not, this one. That one's rotted. But, this one that's right in front of me. Right, a little but, sugar pie but, pumpkin. Okay, this is good. This has now like become a public service announcement. Yeah. If you have a pumpkin that's not rotting. Right. And it's still like they're 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 made to sort of endure the long winter, right? People Except eat for pumpkins, that one, yeah. Right, as long as it's not a jack o' lantern and it's foods, you know, it's like just been a whole pumpkin. Like, cook the pumpkin, guys. Make pumpkin soup. Are all pumpkins Make edible? Pretty much all pumpkins that uh, are pr- all pumpkins that you're going to buy at like the store or the pumpkin listen, patch. I'm no feeling one good can, about it. No one can hold us accountable to this though, like for liability's sake. Pumpkins, Jasmine. <laughs> okay. They're pumpkins. Well, like, look at that pumpkin yes. over there on the if, mantle. If it's, it's green and white, and it's like marbled. You can eat that. Uh, you can. You that can, looks decorative. I, that one looks. De- we're talking about a classic. <laughs> oh, orange, orange pumpkin. pumpkin. Yeah. Also, okay. I'll cook that one too. No, I was just like, going to smash that one on the hill too. <laughs> well, I'll cook <laughs> grow, that one. Grow some green but and white ones. I remember a couple years ago. I, f- I feel like for Christmas at yeah. one year, I made a pumpkin soup that was like from a pumpkin that we had out yeah. there for like two months. That's probably yeah. So you can do it. Right. There's like pumpkins. a family of crickets living not underneath the other one out there. Not rotten pumpkins. Okay. Not jack o' lanterns. Not maybe ones these. that are these, incredibly decorated. A bunch of these. Like just for these decorative. for Thanksgiving. These little sugar pie pumpkins. Yeah, but these a lot are of delicious. Seeds in there. You're not going to get a lot of yield. But those big old pumpkins. Don't be such a naysayer. What was that book that our kids used to read? Like when there's pumpkin soup. Pumpkin soup. Where there's like I want to put in the salt. Yeah, it's a great book. This has been. One of my favorite opens that we've ever had. Uh, you must have had a great uh, PT session 
Oh, I, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're just feeling it. Maybe yeah. this love is in the air. I'm back in it's, town. Maybe that's it. Um, but cook those pumpkins. We were going to talk about Thanksgiving and other things. Yeah. Like but the it's, fact you that, know. but we're going to do a big Thanksgiving episode next week yep. with Artie Sequera. We'll get it up on time too. It'll be up on Tuesday. So you can listen to it while you're ignoring <laughs> yes. your family. Yeah. And a little preview to the Artie Sequera episode. She's just spent, I feel like she's lived at Disney for the last 10 days. For some reason, she's all over she's been my there for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's, she does same, the I think that's same. Tour yeah. That a lot same of us thing. do. Yeah. She's got but I feel like there. she was like, you know, it's Florida. I don't get out there a lot. We're going to spend seven. I feel maybe. like she's been. Maybe they extended. We'll have maybe. to talk. Well, let's talk we'll, to we'll her talk about, about it. it. Let's see what kind of deal she's but getting. Even though we've done that trip already. And this is, I think, the first time she's done it. We've done it a couple of years. Yeah. But like super jealous. I'm big. You big love Disney that trip. Fan, especially around but we the holidays. Had, we got Disneyland coming up, which, you know, frankly, mm-hmm. Disneyland's kind of uh, my heart. Well, this is this is kind of a thing. But we're yeah. going to get into that. We're also going to get into, we'll touch on it real quick. There's a horseradish shortage. And Burger King's having trouble producing their uh, zesty sauce, which I didn't even know that Burger King had a zesty Who horseradish sauce. they use like actual horseradish? Right. But this was a headline that I read that I thought really? maybe some of our viewers would be, or listeners shortage. would be into. You know, these shortages, they pop up now and again, and, and I think it's just uh, global warming. Yeah. This is the first one, though, because <laughs> I really love uh, horseradish, that I was like, oh my God, we got to go buy all the horseradish. Well, do you remember when they said a couple years ago, like that eventually, like we're just not going to have bananas anymore? Mm. That's a really yeah. sad post. Well, when I saw that, I was like, well, especially God. for me, I've been like, banana like the banana, the banana that your grandkids will eat will not be the same banana that you eat, basically, is what they said. Right. I mean, this is probably true about a lot of different ingredients. We can get into it. Hey, everyone, also do me a favor, check me out on Good Morning America next week. Where I'm going to be throwing down uh, some Thanksgiving uh, redos on your classics, like maybe a green bean casserole is that redo, or something like that. R e d u x. That is. What am I? Nice. Do you say redo or is like, it redux? I think you say redo, as yeah, in like redo. go Tigers. G e a u x. Nice. Keep it New Orleans. New Orleans. Thing, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Perfect segue. Uh, Joe Burrow's uh, going to win the Heisman. By the way, guys, a pro quarterback already. Yep. Here we go. Coming up uh, live from New Orleans from the restaurant. Um, com- compare La Pen. Nina Compton. Do it oh, again. That's fine. Do it again. Compare La Pen, Chef Nina Compton, New Orleans. Let's go. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Chef Nina Compton, what's going on? <laughs> How are you? Busy, busy, I, I busy. know. Thank you for making the time for us on this uh, run through New Orleans here for me. Not my pleasure. I think the last time that we saw each other, um, we were clearing customs in the Cayman yeah. Islands <laughs> with uh, Counting Crows yes, behind us. Yeah, how funny how so, it's crazy what... Immigration and customs can bring together. Yes, exactly. That is true. A, a, a weird uh, hodgepodge of uh, celebrity of some sort, right? right? I also, chef, I'm wearing a scarf to try and impress you. <laughs> like I've you seen, get, you, I've, you get ten style points, right? Is that there. what it is? Okay, yes. yeah, because I've seen I've seen some pictures. You're incredibly fashionable. <laughs> so are you. Uh, you're way too kind. I'm I'm in this awesome city, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I'll just do. I'm going to do you're the scarf. Dress up. I'm yeah, try, yeah, try, yeah. Try, so try good and impress her. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so you're just on this amazing, epic ride yeah. through uh, achievement, uh, the world of uh, success, <laughs> right? I mean, James Beard, Food and Wine, Epic Times on Top Chef, all of this. Yes. And like, do I mean, do you ever have uh, any uh, pinch me moment at all? Or you know, it's one of those things where it just happened so quickly and unexpected. And I remember every moment. Um, you know, when Nilo called me for food and wine, I got a missed call from like a 212. I'm like, who the hell is calling me from New York? Right. <laughs> and I called back and she's like, Nina, it's Nilo. And I'm like, thinking to myself, I'm like, what does she want? Like, what's going on? Right. And she told me, and I kind of like, I kind of went numb for a second. And I'm mm-hmm. like, 
And I came back and I told my sous chef at the time, Levi, I'm like, I just got food and wine, the best new chef. And I just walked away and kept on prepping. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is very strange. And he's just like, that's great. And then it, it kind of sunk in when we went to the awards um, where I saw everybody that was around me. Like mm-hmm. People like Noah Sandoval. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, Jordan Kahn, people like that were right. just around me. And I'm like, this is, this is the big leagues. And when I got my first uh, James Beard nomination, everybody's like, oh, this is your year. You're going to win. You're going to win. And I was just like, you know, it's, you get the first nomination. You, you kind of feel like there's a 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there. And I remember sitting in the chair and crossing every finger, every toe, like, please call my name. And, and this is only a span of a couple seconds. Like when they're making the announcements, it's right. a couple seconds. Right. And, you know, seeing my name flash across the screen and then they called somebody else. And like my heart sank and I'm like, but I'm like, okay, finally. So I made it to the finals. Yeah. And then the next year, I dumbed it down so much and I'm like, I'm not going to win. I'm prepared mm. to lose. And sitting in the same chair and seeing my name flash, I remember looking down at the ground, just like blacking everything out and they call my name and my husband jumps up, my chef partner jumps up. He's like, you won, you won. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, your name, you go on the stage, are you going to go <laughs> right? speak? And so I, the, they saw it a second before you did or you weren't even there? You were I, just, I, I just zoned out. Amazing. And they're like, you got to go speak, you got to go say it. And I walked up and I'm like, what am I going to say? And I was like, so in, so in shock that I forgot to thank my mom, forgot right. to thank all these people. And it was just, it, I just kind of blacked out. Sure. So those things for me, it's, it's just I never really was driven by those things. I'm like, if it happens, it happens, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've been pretty lucky that those things have kind of fallen in place for me because it's, I just never expect them. Right. Like, I'm just going to open my restaurant and keep on cooking what I love and just doing what I do. And if it happens, it happens. Right. Well, that's you know? the key. You say never expected and lucky. I don't. I don't think lucky is really the <laughs> right right word. It's, it's very humble to say that, but. Right. I, it comes because of the things you said, like, I, well, my head's down. I'm just doing my job. Right. And like, if someone notices, someone notices. Right. Um, have you allowed yourself? It seems like it because you have a big smile on right yeah. now. Have you allowed yourself to like absorb it and be like, yeah, this is this is a great thing. Like, I, I, like, yeah. are, are you happy that you've had all this success? I, I am because it, it really is, you know, it's a gift and a curse because people see it as now you have the pressure on. Because mm-hmm. you have these awards, these accolades, and people come to the restaurant expecting things at a certain level. So it's kind of like you have to keep on pushing and making sure that you meet expectations. Because, you know, before we got all these, this press, we were just doing our thing. Mm-hmm. And now there's like no room for error because people have this expectation when they come in. But it's also good for my team because that, that's something that they, they, they come on because they're proud to work for somebody like me. So it's kind of like I'm leading the role of more of like a mentorship thing. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, people that's like, okay, this is the way she works and I want to be like that. I want to work like this. Hey, everyone. Uh, week 12 of the NFL is already hot. My fantasy teams, which has nothing to do with betonline.ag, are falling apart. They're, this is the last <laughs> week. Yeah. I'm going up against it's one friend. It's been a rough friend, season. But the, my other teams, they're both clinging to last playoff potential moments but this is a big week for me but it's also a big week for the nfl uh you guys know we've been doing it all season long with podcast sportsnet.com 
Uh, we've been doing betonline.ag. We've been going up against other podcast hosts. Each week, $500 are getting doled out if you follow our picks. $5,000 season-long charity contest. You know what's going on. Go over to Twitter, hashtag Sportsnet Challenge, and here come the uh, Richard Blaze. These are just pickums for pick-ems. NFL Week 12. And I'm just going to take the biggest matchups because why not at this point? The Carolina Panthers going to New Orleans. Listen, this podcast that you're listening to is recorded in New Orleans. So I'm going to stay with that theme. The Saints are going to win that one. The Cowboys are going to the Patriots. It's really tough to beat uh, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and Bill Belichick in New England. I'm going to take the Patriots. Green Bay at San Francisco, two NFC teams that could end up in the NFC uh, Conference Championship. I'm going to take the Niners. Uh, The Seahawks, you know I love the Seahawks. They're going to the Eagles. I'm going to take the Seahawks on the road. uh, And the Ravens coming here to Los Angeles. The Ravens, I think, are going to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. I said it right here. Uh, that they're going to beat the uh, New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And with that being said, I'm going to take the Ravens against the Rams here at home. Those are my picks. Uh, going over to Twitter, hashtag SportsNetChallenge. Uh, and don't forget to hop online, go on to betonline.ag. What is more uh, impactful to the, to the business? Is it the guests coming in because they've read the article mm-hmm. or they saw something on television or is it the recruiting aspect of being able to, to bring in or even maintain and keep talent in yeah, the kitchen? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think it's mostly the staff, you know, because you spend, you spend a lot of time in the kitchen, as you know. Mm-hmm. You spend hours with these people, so you have to at least have some kind of connection where, you know, I have people that had no experience, and I'm like, are they going to make it in three months? And then you have to, like, really chip away and just mentor people and there's people that I have in my kitchen where they were just so green and I look at them now after a year and I'm like look at you I can just delegate something to you and it gets done and you know the standards so those are the things for me it, that's what it's really about about nurturing and, and the, the growth of your business yeah, as the well end, the, the, end, the end product of, of seeing somebody that comes in so green mm-hmm. and then I tell people this you know when you come into my kitchen I want you to leave a better person a better cook the whole package it's not just about coming in and knowing things, but it's about learning something different and saying, okay, today I'm going to be better every single day. And I love how you said when, when you leave, because I, I feel like we're kind of, we have some similar backgrounds. I mm-hmm. think we both have worked for Danielle as an example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, Danielle is the mayor. He's amazing. But, you know, when I was coming up, and I'm, I'm older than you are, but, like, there was this sense of, like, leaving wasn't even really an option. Right, 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 right. right. They guilt you into it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And if you are, yeah, it better be that you put in X amount of hours right. or years or whatever right. it is, right. um, you seem to have a different approach. Like you understand that, that you're, you might lose a sous chef to be their own right. chef one day, right? right? And I think that's always the goal because, you know, it, it's always tough when somebody leaves. But, you know, I think a lot of the staff, when they come to me, they say, chef, I'm leaving because I got a, I'm out of my restaurant, or I'm doing catering, I'm doing these things. And I always tell them, I'm like, if you leave here, it better be for a good reason. Right. Not just because you're going to take, I don't know, a pay cut or whatever it is. Yeah. But I want to see people grow, and I keep a connection with most of my staff that have gone. Because it is, it is a small city, mm-hmm. and everybody knows everybody, and you know, you're bound to see them at some event or something. So it's kind of like, you know, give them a little pat on the back and say, if you need anything, you know, call me. If you need, it's, I, people still call me. Yes. Chef, I need some advice. What should I do? And it, it's just a great thing to have that always open door thing. Well, that comes from you too. You obviously letting them know that they can reach back out to you. If they yeah. do leave, it doesn't mean that the relationship Ends. is over. Right. I've been horrible at that in my career. Like, no, just <laughs> was like not being able to keep 
the connections. Right. Like, okay, well, then I guess I'll never have to talk. You know, I'll never talk to you again. Right. But, like, it, it goes both ways. Right. That's what I'm saying. With all the hardware, I'm jealous because you have all the hardware. You have all the trophies now. <laughs> right. I mean, literally, you've run in European soccer terms, like, you've run the treble. Right. I mean, you, right. you have all of these things. Um, do you, is there a diff like does your staff recognize when a guest is here because of the James Beard Foundation or if they're here because of Food and Wine or if they're here because of Top Chef? Right. Well, um, a, a lot of people, you do, know, do you do things to find out like they while do. they're here? A lot of people, um, you know, we do have a semi-open kitchen where we have a window of people, people peeking like, oh my God, Nina's in the kitchen. Right. You know, I've been a fan of us for years, or these things, or people have read an article and they're like, oh, I came here just because of the write-up in this magazine. Right. So they'll mention to my staff and they tell me, hey, this table, table 12, they came all the way from XYZ just for dinner. And I, it's one of those things where I remember I met when I, after I finished Top Chef, it was the finale. And Emeril and I were stuck in an airport. Mm-hmm. We were, might have been Houston. We had like a two-hour layover and I'm like, what am I going to do? And right. we caught, we caught Like this up. is fresh finale? Like, f- like going to, coming back this from? Is, this is going to the okay. finale. Okay. And he says to me, I see him, and I'm because you know they tell you you can't interact with the judges. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And he's like, come over here. And he's like, what do you want to drink? And I'm like, whatever you drink. So we have like a couple of glasses of sh- Chardonnay. A Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep emerald Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is like. Yeah. And he took me, and he said, you know, after the show is done, your, your life is going to change. And I'm like, I don't know what to expect, you know. And he says, you're going to be recognized wherever you go. Two years from now, ten years from now, people really have an emotional connection with television. Mm. And I never saw it that way. And he says, if somebody asks for a picture or they say hi or they say they're a fan, stop and engage them. Mm -hmm. Because for them, that's their one moment of seeing like a celebrity. And that's what they're going to leave with, of that impression of, Oh, they brushed me off, or oh, they were really nice and they stopped to say hi. So those things always stuck with me when he said it because I'm like, he's right. Because think about how many famous people you've met where they're just like they're just very dismissive and you're like, oh, this guy, you know. And when he said, it, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's well, that's incredible to even have that that moment with Emerald, who yeah. I love. Um, that's why I'm in New Orleans this weekend mm-hmm. um, to be able to to give you that sort of insight because it is. It does become tough. Like, I've, I struggle with... Like, the reason I'm asking you, like, if you know why your guests are in your restaurant, because, you know, Nina from the James Beard Award winner versus the Top Chef uh, right. chef. Right, That might be a different... In their mind, that's, that could be a different character. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay. Right. But it takes a while to sort of, like... I think be okay with, right. oh, they know me from maybe not even the full run of Top Chef, right. one moment from right, it. Right, right. Probably uh, the worst episode. <laughs> right, right. Like, it could be anything. And like, I mean, how many times have you had someone ask you who stole the pee puree? It's not right, even your... Right, right, <laughs> I, I wasn't even there. Like, right. You know, and um, it's easy to get upset at that. Mm-hmm. So have you... And you obviously have continued that, like right. engaging with fans and... Yeah, it's hard Taking the selfies and... Sometimes you can't, though. Sometimes you can't. You can't. You can't touch every single person comes in you know people still come to me like I, I will be in a random city and they'll drive but like you were robbed and they'll just right. keep on driving oh. and oh. <laughs> that's I, forever my life I know okay so listen you and I probably are very few people that share that specific right. sort of like right. the you were robbed thing 
um, which is like, it's a nice thing to say, mm-hmm. but that grates a little bit. Right. For me personally. Right. It's like, uh, you know, I, yes, I mean, I get it. That's what happened. Yeah. And like, they're showing support. Right. But it does get old. It does. And I just tell people, I'm like, you know, I've, I've moved past it. And I'm looking at me, I have two restaurants now, and I'm happy. I'm content. Yeah. You, you see, know? you have it easy. You can just point to the other. <laughs> you just point to the trophies, right? Right. I mean, and, you know, Nick and I, we've, we're good friends. We're right. still good friends, and we support each other. And I think that, that people have to see past that, that, you know, it's not about winning isn't everything. Right. You know, it's about creating a relationship with that, that person, whether it's good or bad. But also showing people like we've moved past that, like we're still friends, right? You know, and it's not a grudge. Yeah, well, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I always tell people that, like with Top Chef specifically, mm-hmm. that the the game really doesn't start until this until it's over, right? And do you think not winning helped you drive harder? You're already incredibly driven. You're already doing it before, right. but but for me, I think it did. I think being I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> Because I, I think being the sort of the underdog or, or, the, or, the, or the kid who didn't do it right. helped me push to obviously start a podcast. Right, right, right. <laughs> but like to you, it, 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 did it push you to? to yeah, it, de- it definitely pushed me because I wanted to see that. I'm like, okay, you know, as, you know, as, as a former Top Chef contestant, that you know the platform is it's wide. It's wide open for you. Mm-hmm. And you can dig into anything you want because you have people calling and all these things so that was a tough thing for me because after I finished the show I thought the phone was going to start ringing like off the hook mm-hmm. and it took a, it took a while because I'm like this is maybe nothing's going to happen right and because people think that it's going to be instant and for me it wasn't it took a couple of months where you know I did a, a little bit of travel and then I started getting a lot of phone calls to do restaurants all over the place and I'm like I need to just take a breather here right and just really sit back and say, what is my next step? Because everybody's going to be watching what my next step is. Right. And it has to be the right one. So that was the biggest thing because I was like, I can jump into anything right now, but I want to be in the right place. Hey, guys, listen, you know the Analon Advanced Home Cookware Set combines performance with convenience for the ultimate weeknight win. Uh, what have you been cooking, Jasmine? Um, let's see. There's well, some I made some, I made some uh, over-easy eggs this morning. For our youngest, oh, loved wow. it. Perfectly. Slid right out of the pan. I was going to say, perfect. Yeah, they, they slide right out of the pan. Didn't Did stick, you utilize nothing. the uh, volume markings that are in the saucepans in the sauce pots? Um, I did when I made meatballs earlier this week. Oh my gosh! You I know, like I was busy. You were out of town. I was out of town, and you've been using all this Analon Advanced Home Cookware. Uh, they're available in four different colors: Moonstone, which is just a fun uh, mm-hmm. color; Bronze, Indigo, and Onyx. Uh, the iconic Analon Sure Grip handle. Uh, it's for comfort and also confidence. Non-stick, we just talked about it. Stain-proof exterior for easy cleanup. Uh, we've been crushing the Advanced Home Analon um, Advanced Cookware Set. We're going to be using it for Thanksgiving dinner. And here's the deal. Listen, the Analon Advanced Home Cookware Set is new, and there's special deals to celebrate the launch, okay? $50 off the 11-piece set. That's right. You can get $50 off the 11-piece set. Shop in-store and online at national retailers like Bed Bath & Beyond and Macy's or visit Analon.com for more information. Go get that stuff before Thanksgiving, fam. A lot of people fall victim to, you said mentioned, like you're traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. I read, like, of course, when the show's over, you're getting these weird emails. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing all sorts of festivals you've never heard of. Right. And it's really easy to fall into that, like, oh, this is just the rest of my life. I just go from festival to festival and people right. fly me and they put me in a hotel maybe. And, right. And uh, that doesn't last forever. No, it doesn't. 
It doesn't. And I mean, do you have any for people that are, you know, competing on on shows like right. Top Chef now, like like how to fight against that? Well, I think the biggest thing is longevity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think definitely show being show front is 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 very helpful, but that's only for a while, like you said. You can only do a couple of months, and you can only do so many festivals. And what is, what are you getting from those festivals? Right. Yeah. You know, you can cook for a thousand portions of whatever else it is, but what are you gaining from that? Right. I think the biggest thing is making the right connections if you are going to travel, and those things lead into either a restaurant deal or something. But there should be something that is that's long. That's that's long. Right. I and for and for you, the the ultimate goal was always to have at least one of your own restaurants now that you have multiple yeah. but it was it was always a restaurant right it was always a restaurant it was um you know it, it's very enticing because after i did top chef i'm like oh, my tv's fun and I, right. I all these things and i'm like this could be good and i was working for scott conan and he does chopped and he does all these things he has amazing hair uh, he does <laughs> he gives you competition yeah, right exactly exactly and um i called him up i'm like scott i'm like you know what do I do? I'm like, TV could be fun. He's like, okay, talk to my agent, see what he says. And I called him up and I'm like, hey, I, I, you know, I have a little bit of, you know, television time and, uh, you know, people recognize my face. And he says, there may not be a lot of money in it or there may, depending on how you play it or right. what's the angle. And I said, okay. And then he said, well, here are the different avenues you can take. And he said, we can get... People want to invest in you, mm-hmm. and then you go that way. So that was the kind of thing because a lot of people think, "Oh, you know, I did Top Chef. I can get my own TV show. I can," and that is not. For do people everybody. think that? Like, you I mean think the a lot v- of viewers. I think fans? a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of people think the next move is getting your own TV show. You're doing a cookbook, which is, by the way, um, I mean, I'm just trying to think. I mean. One, two people like that's not really. It's not, not Carla Hall is the only person yeah, that comes. Yeah. <laughs> she comes to mind of someone who like jumped into the TV game right. hard and strong and did right. it. Right, right. She did it. Right. And she did it in a big way. I think some people think that that is just a natural progression of I did Top Chef, so I should have my own TV show. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case. Yes, not all of us are Guy Fieri, which people right. people forget actually won a competition show on Food Network right. and then right. became. You know the face of the network, right. basically. Okay, so you have this option. So you're thinking about it at this point. Well, I, I thought about it. I'm like, well, I could do that, you know. And it's, and I'm like, do I really want to do that for a long time? And mm-hmm. then I'm like, let me just. I, I actually, I quit my job at the time. Okay. Because I wanted to just take a break. Because I was getting, I mean, crazy things like fly to New Zealand, fly here, do this, do that, and it was just like, what do I do? Mm. And it was also, t- people think t- uh, traveling is, is glamorous. It's tiring. Yes. It's, it's tiring. Yes. Where, you know, and, and I was trying to juggle a full-time job at the hotel at the Fountain Blue, plus travel. So I would like, schedule my two days off and do an event somewhere in L.A., take a red eye, come back to work, drop my suitcase, put my whites on, go run a service. And it, I was getting burnt out because... I was trying to juggle everything and trying to make everybody happy. Mm, and I was, that's, the, that's it that's, right there. That's, that's, that's deadly. And I had to say, I'm like, I should be enjoying this moment of getting all these things thrown at me, but I'm not because I'm like, it's a chore. Right. And I wasn't enjoying it, so I'm like, I'm just going to quit my job and take some time off, enjoy travel for a little bit, and then make the next move because 
it was just the travel was killing me. Yeah, and the and you mentioned it. It's the long game, and yeah. we're on TV most most of us in the beginning because we're cooking good food somewhere, mm-hmm. and the long game is is like I've never been disconnected from a restaurant, right. which I'm always like people might not even realize that, but it's always something that's like. Well, no, like I have to have one foot in the restaurant world. Of course. N- namely because the other thing hasn't exploded maybe mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, but that was always important for me. But I, I, I want to just go back to the one thing you said, like trying to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. That is really what uh, the, the struggle that people might not understand from just being an average, oh, oh this is a celebrity chef. Right. But when you say make everybody happy, like it's one, your personal life, which mm-hmm. is obvious, yes. right? So you have family and you have significant others and loved ones. But then it's, it's also, it's so many business partners. Right. And if you're a chef, you're sort of like attached to this idea of like, I get in at this time, I work these long hours, mm-hmm. and I'm there all the time. Yeah. So you probably, like me, felt some, some guilt because... Right. You're letting down the grill cook and the manager and maybe the boss or the hotel, whatever it right, is. Right, right. I mean, and it's now... It's, it's because, you know, it's, I think that's a, the common thing that chefs do is they want to make everybody happy. Is it a flaw of I, our... I, I think it's, it's just a... It's, I don't know if it's a default or whatever right. it is, but I think that chefs are always trying to make everybody happy. Right, I mean, that's why it's that's why, why we, we do cook. it. And, we, and like, here, here's a plate of food. right. I know automatically if you liked it. Right. I get the gratification of cooking something delicious for right, you. Right, and making you happy. Right. And I think that's something that chefs are guilty of because they want to make everybody happy, whether it's their wife, trying to spend time with her, but making the cooks happy, making the, uh, the guests happy. You're trying to juggle all these things, and then you have to be like, well, if I'm not happy, then I can't make anybody happy because I think it starts with internally making yourself happy, and then it just becomes natural how do you um when you're creating food in your kitchen mm-hmm. is I'm, I'm assuming that's something you always have in the back of your head like, yeah here at the end of the day we're just trying to make someone happy right have you ever been because you come from some really serious restaurant mm-hmm. backgrounds we're talking michelin stars and the old european guard yeah um where sometimes it seems like it can get lost that like oh we're just really cooking food for people and right. we just want to make them happy how do you sort of guard against the tweezers and the over-presentation right. and like making it more about you or the, your name? Well, I think it, it starts with, I think a lot of chefs, you know, Scott said the best thing to me when I was doing a tasting for him when I was applying for CDC because I was a sous chef for him for a long time. And I made, you know, a six-course tasting menu and he had like five people, business partners, tasting the stuff. And I came out explaining everything and he's like, this looks great, but... And then he, he tasted everything, and we sat down. He says he, everything was tasting. It looked good. He's like, you got to find some restraint. Okay. He's like, you don't need sunchokes, crones, and this and that. And I'm like, okay. He's like, three or four things, and make them shine, and make, use the best things. And that stuck with me, because I'm like, there's so many times as chefs, we just like, oh, it needs this oil, and, and this gel, and da-da-da-da, and let's just put more stuff to show that we're... We're technical, you know, right, yeah. advanced. And you don't need that sometimes because you look at things that are simple, that are really done well, like spaghetti pomodoro. Mm-hmm. That's good and that's relatable. And I think that some people, they get so caught up in their mind. And it's almost almost like a, a little bit of an ego sometimes that you, 
you want to impress the guest sometimes. Yeah. Like, look at me, I'm going to do this. And sometimes just a little bit of restraint kind of hits the spot sometimes. It's almost always ego. Yeah. Right? And I think, and it does also take, when you're successful, it's a little bit easier to be like, oh, now, like, it's just about, right. I'm going back to like certain things. How much of that is, do you feel like it's Italian cuisine? Because like those, those, that commentary is, and I love, I went to Rome last year for the first yeah. time, sadly, but like as a native New Yorker, in the back of my head, I feel like I'm a little bit Italian, even right. though I have zero Italian DNA. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like Italians cook with flow and fluidity, mm-hmm. and less is more. Yeah, like it's a it is kind of a great cuisine to have, and you're a, you're a master of it at this point. Yeah. Um, so does that 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 helps, right? I think that helps. Cause I think it's it that's tough to use three or four ingredients and make it taste good. Right. You know what I mean. And I think that is really hard for a lot of people to do to say, I'm going to make simple pasta dish. Flour, egg, butter, cheese, and salt. That's, and that's it. Can pepper. you, you know what I mean? It's about, <laughs> it's about, you know, simple as cooking the pasta properly, the texture of the noodle, the, the way that it coats the, the noodle, like everything has to make sense. And I think a lot of people, they feel like if I just keep on adding things, you know, I can get away with it because I'm, I'm not actually executing the basics. Yeah, well, and I so I, I do love now in this day and age, you know, a lot of the world's greatest chefs. You you might look at their dish and it's like, oh, it's potatoes in a bowl. Right, right, right. I, this is more of a rant right now, but it's like yeah. uh, it's really more about the stone bowl yeah. <laughs> than it is anything else. I mean, obviously the ingredients are great, the technique's great, uh, but I think we're in a good point of time with that. Is there a similarity with um, Caribbean cuisine and Italian cuisine in that matter? A little bit of that. I think it comes down to just whatever you have in your area, whatever is local, um, because a lot of people have gardens in their backyard, and it's mostly seasonal. Mm-hmm. And you know, living away from the Caribbean for a while, I'd go home and I'm like, "Mom, there's no mango." She's like, "It's not in season." You know, like you can't get stuff. We don't import stuff from Mexico. Right. So those things are. It's all about seasons. I called her the other day, and she's like, "I'm like, Mom, what's going on?" She's like, "There's so many guavas just dropping underground. I'm I'm making yes. guava jam and guava jelly and ice cream and juice." And I'm like, "Send me some. I yes. would love that." I, I love when you say just dropping on the ground because um, you know, I've, I've been in the Caribbean here and there, and like I've been in places, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. This is this is the story I'm telling here. But and like I'm walking down the street and I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? No- what is that noise? And it's like five mangoes and an iguana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Falling out of a tree, but like that's when you know that's when that it's yeah, right too, yeah, right? Like yeah. nature's also telling you, like you really have to use this right, right now. I yeah. just fell off the tree yeah. by myself. It's for ready you to go <laughs> right now. So I get that is a similarity then the Caribbean yeah. in that it's it's cook cook locally, yeah, cook simple, whatever you can get your um, hands on. Now is has has now that you um, are a local here in New Orleans, mm-hmm. is that like cooking New Orleans ingredients? I know I've yeah. seen commentary from you. Mm-hmm. You generally. Stay away from like the stereotypical New Orleans dishes. Yes, but you have to use the product. Well, I I mean I use a lot of stuff that's local, um, but I kind of use things in my way. Um, you know, take for example gumbo. We don't have gumbo in the menu because this is a people. Topic. It's a topic, <laughs> and if you screw up gumbo, you'll never hear the end of it. Right. And you know I have unless you're from Ohio, you're, right. you're at a hotel. <laughs> you can get you're away connected with that. to a hotel, right? Or yes. there's a hotel yes. next door. So like someone could just randomly be in the dining room. It's like they would they don't know. I know, but the <laughs> thing is, we have so many locals that they're like they're 
they're very strict on their rules. Mm-hmm. The roux is not dark enough. It's not thick enough. There's not enough fillet. There's not. But aren't there different rules per different well, household? Well, that's, that's as the well? thing because okay. every, everybody makes it different. <laughs> right. You know, and, it, and it's a competition of who makes the best gumbo. Right. You know, my mom's gumbo is better than yours, and I make a chicken gumbo. Da, da, and I'm like, I'm just going to keep myself out of this because I don't want to get involved. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And is that is that the only like traditional well, we don't have, dish that you stay away from? I mean, we don't have things like jambalaya, but we kind of have, we use some of those techniques. Right. Um, but add a little bit of a Caribbean twist to it. Right. Well, you can't do risotto. You can't do a jambalaya risotto. No, is no, that, no. Like, would you just crush a cook if they were like, I got this idea? They, they would not. They, they wouldn't it, even. It, it, yeah, it, okay. it's not smart. <laughs> not, not even a chef who came in just for a tasting and they were like, oh, I'm gonna, maybe. Okay, maybe, maybe that would maybe, be okay. Maybe. And then you explain to them. Yeah. <laughs> no gumbo and, and don't try and right. you know, turn jambalaya into yeah. a risotto. So I wouldn't get hired is basically what just yeah. happened. I, that's, I think as a, I'm as always a, hiring. As a, as a young cook, I would come in and probably try and do something silly like that. This is Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. This is a perfect introduction. Uh, halfway through the podcast, we usually have some fun and play some games. Mm-hmm. Are you down to play some games? Yeah. Okay, so you're an amazing chef and, and, and really, really smart. So this game's kind of tough. Oh, gosh. It's not... Like I don't want to say. Can I change my mind? <laughs> no, no. It's, kind of, it's just it, it's it's improv. It's improv. Okay. Um, and sorry for the pun, but the game is called Straight Out of Nina Compton's Head. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what I'm going to do is give you an ingredient mm-hmm. and a tool. Okay. And you can talk me through a dish you might make. Okay. With, so it's kind of like a Top Chef challenge. Okay. Okay. I'm actually trying to formulate this into what would be a TV sort right. of like yeah. challenge. <laughs> And there'd probably be a, one or two other things we'd have to throw in. But I think you're going to crush it. Okay. You ready to go? Yeah. All right, here we go. Nina Compton. Uh, goat. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a signature item here, right? Yes. I mean, I've read about how many, how many... By the way, how many goats is the restaurant? We go through about 300 pounds a week. 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, and from, from a local producer, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, yes. and just like there's goats hanging in the walk-in and all sorts there, of fun it's, stuff. It's a lot. Thursday is goat day and everybody's day. I mean, it's <laughs> shut down. There's nothing you can do. You can't roast any chicken bones. You can't do anything. That it's is, goat day. I love that. That's, that's like real deep restaurant inside. A lot of people that listen to the podcast, podcast are like newer in the game. Yeah. And it's like when a restaurant has like we have, you know, duck day at one of yeah. the restaurants. It's like, yeah, this is where all the ducks are getting broken down and tied and dried and, right. and hung. Same thing. It's like, yeah, that's a that's a thing. There's a thing. <laughs> we might have to make space, right? right. Uh, there might have to be things happening in the front. Okay, so goat is the ingredient, and the tool is a meat grinder. Meat so, ball. Meat. Right. Look at that. Like, first of all, <laughs> first of all, chef. There's no timer on it. Okay. Like you could actually take some time. I'm very competitive. I'm sorry. <laughs> Obviously, I I wish we had a buzzer because like no one would have beat you to the answer right away. <laughs> All right, so let's expand a little bit. So we have goat. It's, there's a meat grinder. What, what part of the goat are we grinding up? Yeah, I think we do the belly and the shoulder. Okay, awesome. So I like um, the shoulder because you've got to either cook it long or... Yeah, and it, it, I think that basically when you make the, beet, the meatball and you braise it nice and slow, I think that will all come together. Like it's not too chewy. It's not, there's not too much sinew. Um, so I'd probably do like a, maybe a green curry. Oh, okay. Yeah, like we use a lot of cilantro in this restaurant, and we kind of, you know, for family meal, we'll make like a cilantro puree and then build the curry with the cardamom and all these spices. So it, it's 
like bright, bright green at the end. Oh, I love this. Yeah. So not like the traditional drab sort of no, camouflage color. No, it's like vibrant green it's like for family. Verde, yeah. Like, okay, I love that. Um, the belly because it's going to have a lot all of this fat. The fat, yeah. You, cilantro. What if what if you have a cook? Because I just recently found out that the whole aversion to cilantro is mm-hmm. like a genetic thing. Is like it? Some, yeah. Some people actually just can't do cilantro. Like right. Their body just will not react to it pleasantly. Right. I mean, not in a, like a medical way, right, but just right, right. in a taste way. So have you, you don't have any cooks who are like, oh, cilantro, it's soapy. Some people do, but I think for the most part, we just go through so much, they're just like, oh, it's not so bad. Oh, they, you force, you force yeah. them into liking cilantro. I love that. My favorite part of cilantro is the stems. The stems are good. That's like it's, one of like, it's, I remember when I was a young cook and I was like, I felt like I stumbled upon something. I was like, no, you can actually just like mince the stems. Yeah, it's good. And like instead of putting chives on your baked potato, put it's some cilantro crunchy, stems right? on there. Really, really nice. Okay, so you won already with the first one. Really quick, like point, <laughs> 0.3 seconds. Okay, the next one is a sweet potato. Okay. One of my favorite ingredients of all time because I'm big in the fitness game right now. Mm-hmm. And sweet potatoes are one of the most nutritious foods in the world. And a microwave. Sweet potato and a okay. microwave. Um... I love how you're really into this. Now, now I'm yeah. thinking about yeah, yeah. it. So I would yeah. do. Actually, this is a dish that I had that I thought was a really big highlight. When I went to Alinea. Shout out to Grant Ackett, who's been on the pod. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he made this sweet potato dish that was like so velvety. Mm. And I would say like six courses into the, the meal, there's a little like cast iron with like salt. And I'm like, what is in that? And he comes out, and then he takes the tweezers and he pulls it out, and it's a perfectly roasted sweet potato. Mm-hmm. And he takes out all the meat out, and then he adds, I don't know what cheese it was, but it was like a very soft, velvety, creamy cheese. And that was the cheese course. Oh, wow. Okay. And that, for me, I still dream about that. So I would have to replicate that some way and do some kind of like sweet potato flan. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So the sweet potato, we're cooking it in the microwave, we're going to, we're going to, Kind of do a flan, like a flan, cheesy flan, yeah. velvety. It was so. It was just like I'm like, why didn't anybody else do this? And it was just, it was Amazing. simple but so beautiful. Yeah, this one was kind of like a. Uh, I threw this one out there for me because I, when I'm training, especially like running marathons, like That's, sweet, this is not healthy. By the way, it's the no, no, this guy loves cheese. <laughs> like flan is going to have some more sugar to it. Right, you probably right. don't need it, but yeah. no, that's how advanced your mind is. Though, yeah. like you took it, you also like made a dessert. Yeah. Out of it. Or it could be savory, I guess. But, it could be both. Right, it could be both. I would just microwave it and like put some butter on it. Yeah. Like that would have been my answer. I would just like microwave and butter. Um, I think that comes too because Grant and I worked at the French Laundry mm-hmm. where like sweet potato, sweet potato agnolote, yeah. which is lots of butter, lots of cheese, mm-hmm. uh, ooh, truffle oil, which was, yeah. it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But great flavors. Okay, here we go. Um, this one is going to have two ingredients. Okay. Uh, banana. One of my other favorite ingredients. Mm-hmm. And we'll say ultra-ripe banana, just okay. for argument's okay. sake. And chicory. Okay. And real quick, what is chicory? As, an, as someone it's a who's root. not... It's a root. It's a root it's that a root. gets added to coffee. coffee. Yeah, right. it's, okay. a, it's a thing here. Right. It is yeah. a, as I was saying, it's, I know that it's a thing in coffee, but right. it's just a root. Okay. Uh, and it's got an earthiness to it, I mm-hmm. guess. Okay. And the tool is a blender. Banana, chicory, blender. I could take the easy route and say a smoothie, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to... but you're not, I'm because not, that's what I would say, right, and you I, have awards. I would make a banana chicory pancake. Oh, yes. That Nina could be Compton. fun. Yes, chef. <laughs> yes, chef. See, I love it. Uh, maybe, um, 
I mean, is it just a normal flour, is AP flour? What kind of flour are we using in this pancake? I would, use, some... I would use something like maybe buckwheat. Yes. Because I, I like buckwheat. I think that people don't use it enough. First of all, I'm holding my heart because like <laughs> for some, that's like one, um, banana specifically and mm-hmm. buckwheat and obviously the coffee chicory is going to work well with it. One of my favorite flavors as well. It's, it's so good. I even love it. I love pasta. I love buckwheat yeah. in pasta. Is one it's of my... so good. We used, we used to make a shortbread cookie Ooh. and they would make those and I would just stand over and just... Pop them like it was going out of style. It's, it's, it's the earthiness of yeah. it that just takes it to like a, a place where you're not super familiar. Okay, you're crushing this game. Okra and okra. a deep fryer. Now, Ooh, you know, the, 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 the basic AF answer is I just throw them in the fryer. Yeah, fly. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the only way. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Which, I, by the way, you don't... You're, you're, there's you're, not wrong. There's I mean, nothing wrong with it, right? There's nothing wrong. Yeah, I would, I would definitely like buttermilk dredge them and then toss them in like rice flour and just... Crisp them up. I think that's okay, the simplest way. And we, Simple. we're, it's a Frito Mista yeah, of, of exactly. okra. I'm also doing that on the tasting okay. to get a job here. <laughs> yeah. I made jambalaya risotto and I made a Frito Mista. But You're it's on not, the schedule, by uh, the way. I? Okay, there it is. <laughs> I have a shift. Yes, I'm doing Monday lunch, everyone. Hey, listen, if you like our show, you're going to love Brad Behavior mm-hmm. with Puns. Brad Gareski. <laughs> I love Brad Gareski. The newest podcast from the Lady Gang Network and Podcast One, from the red carpet to the runway, TV personality, stylist to the stars, and author Brad Gareski gets undressed in candid interviews with other celebs and friends. Each week, they contemplate and celebrate fashion, pop culture, and life's random surprises. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss Brad Behavior every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast one okay um rabbit the namesake protein of the restaurant mm-hmm. right and a sous vide circulator so i would and i'm um, also looking for your thoughts on sous vide by the way if, okay. if you want to throw that out um i would sous vide the loin okay and then i would probably dust it in Something like some kind of ash, like leek or something. Because I think very I think, modern of you. I think yeah, I know, right. right? Which I don't really normally cook, but I think the loin is just so the color is just so light, mm-hmm. and then having the contrast of the black ash. Oh, I like this. And that could be it's, uh, Michelle Bras coming into my mind <laughs> yeah. for some reason, like the olive, like poached. Yeah, something like that. Oil. Yeah. Okay, I love I love that, um, and I also love that. I feel like the default answer would have been like throw the legs in there and cook them for two days right. or whatever. But sous vide is actually, I think, better when it comes to these um, tight, tender pieces. Like yeah. chicken breast sous vide right. is like you can make the best chicken salad in the world yeah. if you cook your chicken breast Agreed. sous vide. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on the technology of sous vide? I think it has a place in the restaurants. Okay. You know, I think a lot of people think it's too modern, but I, it's just... That you can do so, so many things with it. Right. Um, and it, it is a good way to hold temperature. Exactly. You know, if you want to hold, if you have a long service, if you want to keep a hollandaise in a water bath. Yeah. Like, you know, it, 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 it gets weird though, right? That people throw like personality onto a piece of equipment. Right. And it becomes like this thing of, of a generation right. or like the microwave as we just talked about. Yeah. Like it's not... Really, the microwave—it's the food you put in it. Right. That's the problem. Right? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people they do things to be that don't have to be sous vide. Exactly. I think exactly. that I think that's the biggest issue. I think there is definitely because I mean a lot of large companies use that and mm-hmm. they've been using that for for years. We just this is something that's come about in the past you know decade or so. The consistency, yeah, is what's important, right? Yeah. 
Um, that's why you would rather braise the rabbit legs. Yes. Because you'll develop more flavor than yeah. if you cook them sous vide. You're just you're <laughs> a genius. Okay, duck eggs Ooh. and a pasta extruder. Duck eggs and a pasta extruder. I mean, the only way is to make a pasta. Okay. I mean, it's the only way. I've, slam dunk, slam dunk, right? So, the, so we're making the noodles with the, with the with eggs. The egg, yeah. And then, uh, so what, what kind of pasta? If, if, what, what, what kind of pasta, are, or I'm going to change the question here. It could be whatever you want, but like, mm-hmm. what do you, you have to make a quick pasta dish for yourself and your husband after service. Or it's just like, what are you cooking for yourself? Well, I mean, it, it would extrude would probably be bucatini. Okay. You know. Right. Which makes, like, right, it's, it's a tough shape to pull off. And right. you can't do it any other way. There's no right? other way. There's right. no other way. Okay. But I think the texture of that, or even maybe like a jameli could be nice too, because I think the texture and that could be nice. Love it. And what's yeah. your, uh, do you have a favorite, probably impossible, but a favorite classic Italian pasta dish? I really like shallotelli or peachy. Okay. And peachy for me has this like great chew to it, right? You know, which, which peachy is a uh, Tuscan, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, and it's just flour and water. That's it. And is it is it is that the square noodle? No, that's no, uh, it's, that's it's a long okay. thick noodle. Got it. And it's hand rolled. And it. I had that, you know, when I went to Italy, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so good. And they just do it very simple with like a braised ragu, you know, whatever braised meat, and it's just like. The best. That's it. We'll, we'll, we'll throw some goat in there. Just yeah, because just because. All right, here we go. Chicken innards and offal. It could be whatever innards or offal you want. And a binchotan grill. A charcoal petrified wood grill. Yeah. Which is so hot right now. It's, yeah, right? it is. I would, I would make a... I would do a jut chicken liver skewer. Yes. With some kind of like charred lime. Something simple. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Simple, but like... <laughs> Let's get it on a menu. Yeah, right? I know, right? You, but the hearts, you, are you, a tough sell. Do you think it's still a tough sell? Even though tar, heart, hearts like you've I've been, had, I've had some pretty good hearts. Yes. You know, I think that... Um, but it's never going to be a sales leader. It might be hard. delicious. I, you know, I, I think you have to kind of... There's two ways to cook it. Either slow and low, or you basically um, smoke it and then, and then grill it. Right. I think that, that way you get like a nice... Charred, but also tender way to do it. Right, because I feel like if you get a chewy heart, that's where people can get. That's where that's you where could end someone up. on hearts forever yeah. if that happens. I was reading an old book, an old cookbook. Do you know that chicken wings at one point were considered offal? Really? Yeah, it was just a part that people threw away. When I was like, that's the tastiest offal ever, that's, chicken wings. That's, that's wild. It is. I, was just, I, I was guess like, people look down on it because they think it's like an end cut. Yeah, you thing. cut it off and you yeah. throw it away. I'm like, oh my God. Like, but look, 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 chicken hearts. Look right. what can happen to you. You right. can be on every Super Bowl mon- uh, Sunday menu. There is hope for you. <laughs> yes. If you play your marketing right, this could happen. Okay. Um, how about crayfish? Mm-hmm. Or do you say crawfish? Crawfish, here. Okay, crawfish. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> crawfish and a big old pot of boiling water, which the is o- simple, it's right? It's the simplest thing. I mean, crawfish boils here are the biggest thing, it, and everybody, it's a thing. You know, the first time I had, when I moved here, it was on every menu because I came in the spring. And I'll never forget, Donald Link invited me to lunch. Mm. And I have, I've always read about him. I knew who he was. And he sends me an email, and he's like, you know, welcome to the city. Let's have lunch. And I tell my husband, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, Donald Link invited me to lunch. What the fuck am I going to do? And I'm like freaking out. Because <laughs> right. he's like, you know, he's like a legend here. And 
it was just like maybe a week before we opened and we were like prepping, like doing test runs. And my husband's like, do not stand Donald up. You better show up for lunch. Right. So like, I am like knee deep and the prep list is this long and like I have things in the oven. And I tell myself, my guys, I need to step out. I'll be back in like an hour. And I go there. It was like a three and a half hour lunch. And he's grilling me. He's just like, he's like, where are you getting your crawfish from? He's like, ask me when I get my goat. Like, who am I using? And I'm just like, this is an interrogation. It's right. lunch. And you're like, hey, it's just, I'm just starting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the rosé is flowing. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting you know, the crawfish from this place. And he's like, listen, no good crawfish comes into the city. It all ends up in Lafayette, where, is, where most of the crawfish farms are. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, but I thought New Orleans is known for that. He's like, it's so prized in, in Lafayette that they will not, they sell out before they can get it over here. Mm. And he's like, I'm doing a crawfish boil for my staff. I want you to come and see what I'm talking about. So he has his guy that he gets a crawfish from. And it blew my mind. Because I had crawfish on the menu. And I tried his crawfish. They were like little lobsters, and they were cooked perfectly. Mm. And I called up my vendor, and I'm like, I got to take it off the menu. If I can't get those crawfish, I, I can't. It's just not right. Because it was just so different, because just the way they were harvested, the way, it's just, they're just done differently. Unbelievable. But definitely the crawfish boy, I think, is the simplest okay. way Okay, and what do you, so for the average person who wants to try this at home yeah. in central Ohio or wherever, obviously sourcing the crawfish might yeah. be challenging. Um, what, what goes into a good uh, bouillon for the So boil? you have to get, there is a mix that Zatarans makes. It's yes. called crawfish boil. Yes, and you, yes. put, you put that in. Right. Um, you put corn, you put potatoes, and you put sausage. It's the best. And the trick is, what I found out after a couple of years of being here, is after you put it in, you turn it off halfway and let it basically steep in there. Right. And then you wait a couple of minutes and then you pour it off. Okay. So that way it's like it's cooking in there, but at like it's not simmering. Right. And so the crawfish should. are in there, though. They're in there. Right. Yeah. So you, you're leaving them in. They, they, call it, they call it soaking. Yes. <laughs> nice. Exactly. It's a good bath. Yeah. Um, but they're in there longer than what like a cook's instinct might say. Right. Because you, you, you think just take it in, put it in, and take it out right away. For them, it's like it's boiling. You throw it in, let it come up, and then you turn it off and you put the lid on. Right. And just let it... Hang out. Right. It's the anti-culinary school yeah. shock, shock your <laughs> Right. Shrimp, no, you don't which, do that. No, which is your, I mean, anytime you're then dipping something in cold water, right. you're pulling some flavor exactly. away from whatever exactly. it is. All right. I don't know if we're going to top that one, but here, we'll get into the last one or last two. Uh, you can choose here. Nutrimeat. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> which we might have to explain. Nutri- right. Nutrimeat right. is... It's basically a big rodent. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a, it's, it's a rat, rat-like uh, right. rodent, which um, uh, is a pest, right? right? Which is a pest. Right. Um, uh, or alligator tail. You can choose. And the tool is a vertical rotisserie. And this can be as big as the alligator tail okay. if you'd like it to be. Right. I, I think I would do the, the alligator tail. Okay. And I would... I think I would just... Marinade for like 24 hours. Okay. I've only cooked alligator like twice I've, and I've, not well. I've never done it. Oh, nice. Okay, good. I've never this is done great. It. See, this, but, is why you're, this is why you are who you are. But I think I would marinate it with a little bit of pineapple or papaya just to tenderize it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then... That magical enzyme that's in pineapple and yeah, papaya, right? Yeah, that would... Is it the same one? I forget. I might, it might, it okay. might be, yeah. Got it. So that way it kind of like tenderizes a little because if you cook alligator from my understanding, it can be really tough. Mm-hmm. 
and then like just have that marinade and then slow roast it. I love it. And then and probably at the last second, just blast it so it gets a little bit of char. And you're also going to get, I love that. Yeah. And you're going to get a little bit of the, the sweetness to sort of take away some of the grassiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because right. Nutria, my mom, when I told her I was doing Top Chef, who she told me, don't. She's like, don't do Top Chef. It's so Ooh. stressful. Da, da, da. I'm like, mom, I, let me just try it. I could win. Right. And when I told her I was doing it, she's emailed me this long list of like things that I might get to cook and she actually told me she's like Nutra and I'm like what the hell is Nutra so she was doing a scouting she, report she was doing a scouting report right. and I'm like so we were starting to think and I'm like what if we get Nutra I'm like how am I going to cook it because our first challenge was alligator turtle and it was so something cliche, else was, so top shot right, right right that was our first challenge mm-hmm. our turtle and the whole time because you know how it is on top chef because you think okay if I'm going to go to this area what are they known for because we were thinking, okay, we're going to get a crawfish challenge. We didn't get that. Then we thought we'll get a beignet challenge. Mm-hmm. We didn't get that. Okay. So you sort of like think because, you know, you don't really have a guide of what your challenge is going to be. So I had like this preconceived notion of like, what are we going to be cooking, you know, as the season yes, goes yes. on? Yeah, of course. And we all do, right? Yeah. So you had basically in your head, though, if I'm confronted with Nutria... What am I gonna make? Sort of situation, yeah, which I still right. never, I still right. never figured out. <laughs> that's actually a really, you know what? That's a that would be a great podcast. Yeah. Like, what were some of the things that you were prepped for right. that never <laughs> happened? Because uh, we all do that, right? Right. Because there is like you don't know anything about what's gonna happen except the city you're in. Yeah. So you start studying about that city. Right. Like I did a part of one of my episodes in the Bahamas. So like, of course, like. I only cooked with conch for right. like as as much as I could. Did you have to do conch? We did. Okay. They actually made us swim for it. Oh, I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. An embarrassing moment for me right. to be filmed underwater, <laughs> which was yeah. I'm glad it's now someone's going to go bring back that picture. <laughs> uh, last one you just mentioned it uh, beignets, mm-hmm. and we'll just say a somewhat yeah okay. They're a, a, a fresh bag of beignets, yeah, and a hotel coffee maker. Oof. I mean, the question is: Do you make bad coffee with the? I, I mean, or I are, or, or are we going to try and recreate that? I mean, you could just eat the beignets. Yeah, and just you, skip the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just wash your hands in the hot water from the coffee machine. Listen, and wash don't, the powdered I, sugar off. Right, and don't wear black. Oh, oh whatever you do, don't ever wear black around any sort of confectioner's sugar. Is that like an actual thing that's that a happens? Thing. They they tell you if you're gonna eat beignets, don't wear black. Oh, that's a, it's the baker's guideline. Well, that's the, well, that's right? the thing yeah. because I went to Cafe du Monde mm-hmm. and I had we were just walking around the French Quarter and there wasn't a line because there's always a line there every day whether it's raining, whether it's cold, whether it's sunny. There's always a line. And there was no line. I'm like, my husband, I tell my husband, I'm like, there's no line. Let's go get beignets. And we sit down, and it's like a pound of sugar on these beignets. Mm-hmm. And you're eating, and it's like they say, don't inhale, because you're going to get all this confectioner sugar up your right, nose. Right, And I get up, and I am just like... It's like you've been working, making pizzas yeah. all night long. Exactly. So that's the trick. Don't wear black. Okay, I love that. And don't inhale, which don't is inhale. also... I have never heard that, which is amazing. Uh, that's why bakers, everyone, wear even uh, – they, they wear the white apron. They yeah. wear usually white clogs and stuff like that yeah. because flour shows up and so does confection of sugar. Nina Compton, you're awesome. Thank you. End of the podcast. Thank you so much for making time. Time like, you're is just, up already? You, you're, oh, we're near the end. We can do it. I can cancel the next one. We no, can do another no, no, hour. No, 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 it's fine. Um, 
we play a game at the end. It's, well, this isn't really a game. It can be a game if you'd like. It's called 86. So okay. uh, end of the podcast, something that Nina Compton wants to 86. It could be in the kitchen, in the world today. It could be serious or not. Um, as long as it's not Caesar salad because <laughs> more than four people have said that. So 86. Um, I think what would be interesting if we 86 the likes on Instagram. Ooh. Then now this is... Uh, you're, now, I've read many articles, so you are attached to your phone somewhat or your emails for yeah. sure. Um, 86ing likes, this is, a, this is something that's being explored. At, and do you know this, right? No. So Instagram is actually doing this in certain markets with certain populations to right. see what happens. The why, impact. Would, why would you want to 86 the well, likes? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because you see it, it's an emotional thing, you know, where I'm on Instagram and you're on Instagram. And it, it's kind of like it builds you up or it lets you down, you know, where it's like, oh, Richard Blaze liked my, my post mm-hmm, today, so it, mm-hmm. it peps you up. Right, right. You know, or it's like, oh, so-and-so didn't like my post, but they were on Instagram. It's just a, it's a, it's kind of like a mind game. Yeah. And I went on Instagram because I like following people based on what they're putting up because I want to follow their life. I get inspiration from different chefs. I follow mostly chefs on Instagram. Um, but I think now it's become how many followers do you have? How mm. many likes do you have? Or promote your post. It, it becomes, it's, we've kind of lost yeah. the scope of what Instagram started off to be. Was I went on Instagram because it wasn't like Facebook because it was just, just a post of a picture and a, a small caption. Right, right. You know, and that was, that was beautiful. But it, now it becomes a thing where it's, mm. it, it's it become too much. You know, I, it was on the New York Times Instagram today, Kim Kardashian was on there, and she had mentioned something about morale and mental health, and and she's like, the comment was, she's like, I don't care about um, the comments that people are going to say about this post, and I read the comment, and you get addicted, yeah. because you just keep on yeah. going and going, and you can lose an entire day just reading <sighs> comments, and it's, I, I check my productivity on my phone where it says... You spend this much screen time, and mm-hmm. you just like if I'm traveling, I'm in the airport. It's like eight yes, hours, and yes. then if I'm if I'm busy in the kitchen, it's like an hour on the screen. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is interesting that we have to monitor ourselves on that. Yeah. By the way, I'm glad that I'm not the only eight hour it, it, uh, it, it, Instagram person. You know? But you're right; it's a lot of it for us is if you're if you're traveling somewhere. It is then because you're sitting, you're locked in. It's an empty space, and I think a lot of it you can go down a rabbit hole where you can be like you tag somebody in there. And then you, I can go ten profiles deep, yes, <laughs> just yes. to see. You know, it's it's just it's a, it's addictive. But I think that we, we need to get back to if Instagram could just be more about the pictures and just telling a, a, a small story. Yeah. How do you, you know? feel about your cooks and uh, their cameras and social media presence? Like, do you have a like a rule in the kitchen? Like, are they, are, you know, are, are phones allowed? Do you, do you want cooks taking pictures of their dishes? Well, yeah, I think I, I do want them to take pictures because for them it's like, okay, this is a dish that I made, you know, a year ago. Right. It's like a memory thing. I take pictures of, of almost everything because I forget. I, I write, I keep all my old menus from years ago. But I'm like, I see a picture and I'm like, man, I forgot about this dish. And for them it's almost... Uh, it's a, a thing of pride too mm-hmm. because I'll tell them I'm like man that pasta looks perfect and they'll be like oh thank you chef you know and it, it's it's kind of like a pride thing 
you know, because if they make a special, they make a dish, and I'm like, man, that looks really good. That's perfect. They feel really good. I you love know? it. Yeah, it's a balance. I think that's what you're saying, right? We need to, it's a balance. We need, we need to balance a little bit. The technology is good. It can be very helpful, certainly business-wise. Yeah. Um, but if you get sucked into Kim Kardashian's comments for two hours, uh, which, it, by it, the it, way, it, the, <laughs> the funny part is I'm really, like, feeling, like, everything you're saying. And I'm like, she's absolutely right. And but then, then I said there's Kim a part, Kardashian. Right. But then when you're, like, Kardashian's comments, and I'm like, as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to go look at those comments. <laughs> Uh, so it is an interesting world. Nina Compton, you're amazing. Thank you. Uh, you also had mentioned the rabbit hole of social media. Speaking of rabbit holes, we're here in Compare La Pen, yes, right? Yes. And where, where can people find you on the Instagram or social media and what restaurants? Um, my handle is Nina Compton and the restaurants are Compare La Pen and Buy What American Bistro. Unbelievable. You're amazing. Congrats on all the success. Thank you, Thank you for taking time uh, to hang out with us, but by us is just me. Right here. <laughs> yes. well, my wife will do the open. Uh, do us a favor, everyone. Jump on over to iTunes. I know you loved this episode. Uh, so drop us the five-star review. I don't have the trophies and the hardware that oh, Nina stop. Compton has, <laughs> but I do have five stars on the podcast, so help us do that. And then go find a friend or an aunt or uh, a relative and make them download the podcast as well. It helps with the algorithm, <laughs> which we all need in this world of social media. So until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blades. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much to our sponsors this week, to Analon, uh, Advanced Cookware, to Sportsnet, uh, to BetOnline.ag, and to, of course, all of our listeners. Thanks for listening. Until next week, stay hungry.